welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 136 of the Sober Girls Guide podcast. On today's episode, I chat with Michelle from Recovery is the New Black. Michelle is a sober mom. She's a TEDx speaker, and her articles have been featured on Medium, The Zoe Report, and so much more. Michelle specializes in mommy wine culture and everything that has to do with motherhood and sobriety. She is so fantastic, and I loved this conversation. So let's get into it. A lot of things change in sobriety and recovery. Our values, our priorities, maybe even our careers. For a lot of us, we're looking for ways to pay it forward, to help our fellow women find the freedom from living a booze-free life. A Sober Girls Guide certification in business training is the only custom design program for women who are in recovery who want to turn their passion into a successful career and profitable business. Head to a sobergirlsguide.com to learn more and to sign up today. Miss Michelle, how are you? I am so excited to talk to you. What's going Hello. on? Ooh, I am doing really good. I yeah. am, I can't believe we're already into the midst of summer and gosh, it's crazy. Time flies when you're having fun. It sure does. <laughs> yes. How's your summer been? How's your it's sober girl summer been? It's been really good. I am yeah. just like, you know, totally different mindset of just like really enjoying it and like being present for my life and engaged in the activities with my kids and like ditching mm. the camera, you know, ditching social media as much as possible and just being present for my own life, which obviously sobriety has been, you know, the gatekeeper and has really taught me how to do that. So I'm really trying to practice what I preach and it's been good. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally with you. Like I haven't been Usually I'm like documenting like everything I'm doing and I'm just like, you know what? I need a little privacy. Yep. I need a little timeout situation. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot been going on and I think like because of COVID, like, I don't know about you, but like just being at home and like, what else do I do? Like, obviously I'm going to film this. Like, oh, this is totally, totally going to go in my stories, but like, right. Now I'm, you know, lockdown's over. Thank God. Like, knock on wood. That's not going to happen again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like we're free. Free for the summer. Yes. Hopefully. <laughs> Fingers crossed we're going to keep it that way. Yeah, definitely. So, Michelle, I want to get into your amazing business, Recovery is a New Black, and maybe touch on a little bit of Sober Mom Squad stuff because you guys are up to okay. some really amazing amazing things that are so needed right now um I mean and always uh but first of all I want to kind of take a step back and talk about you and your recovery journey and how you know you you got to this this place in your life so if you could take us back to like what Michelle was like before drinking like what was that scenario 
I, you know, it's funny that you say that it's, it's exactly how I am now. I like have rediscovered the authentic Michelle that just lost her way for a period of time during some really serious major life changes. Mm. And so, you know, it's, I've never been asked that too. So that's a good question. Um, but you know, I had a, a generational kind of curse is what I say with alcoholism. It runs in my family and I always had the perfect example of what not to be. And Mm. so I was like, yeah, I can use this as an excuse to say, I didn't know any better. And I'm just following like, you know, the family dynamics and this, this genetical component. And I'm like, no, I know exactly the destruction that can come from having alcohol misused present in a home and I know what it's like to be that child, to not know if their parent is going to be sober or drunk. Are we going to play or are we going to hide? And so I was just like, I don't want to do this. I love every part. And it was my father who was an alcoholic. And I was like, I love every part of him, but I don't want to grow up to be that part of him. Right. And so, you know, throughout my life, I just was overachiever trying to be acknowledged and appreciated by my parents from an academic standpoint. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I stayed away from booze, mind altering chemicals, everything. Mm -hmm. Finished college, started working in social services, married my high school sweetheart and decided to have kiddos. Mm -hmm. And my relationship really changed. I, you know, would have a glass of champagne or wine, you know, at a, at a celebration, But it wasn't anything where I could take it or leave it. I could go for months, a year without it. And so, you know, it was really when I started to have children, I really shifted. Obviously, our whole life changes when we have a child. Yeah. I thought I was ready, but I had no clue. Mm. And with that was, again, some major life changes of my husband going to war my mother passing away when I was learning to become a mother, having physical health issues, not being diagnosed with postpartum depression, and really working in the field of addiction medicine and mental health services and noticing that there was starting to become a problematic relationship with alcohol, but too stubborn and had my ego that Mm. got in the way of that. Mm. It was... It was very slow and progressive where when I went to an outing, there was always, you know, wine and mimosas or bottomless margaritas, Mm -hmm. buckets of Corona. And so I just started to notice that I was starting to lose my, like my authentic self. I was feeling more disconnected, more depressed, not going through the proper channels of grief and loss. Mm-hmm. life kept going as I was still getting hit with all of these major life changes. And so I just started leaning in to the culture, you know, a lot of people call it mommy wine culture. Yeah. I had a hard time saying no yeah. because I wanted to feel connected and I wanted to be a part of something because I noticed that I was getting really depressed and isolated being at home by myself with small kids. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And it just from isolation. There. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you've just like gone through like the loss of your own mom, right? Like, were you really close to your mom? Yes. Oh. Very close to her. And I remember the last relate, like the last conversation I had with her was I was rocking my daughter and I was like, you know, if you've done half, if you did half of what I've done in this time, 
with my daughter. I just, I, I absolutely love you and thank you for everything that you did and for all the hurtful mm. things that I've ever done to you. Yeah. But, you know, it's, you just don't yeah. get it until you're a mom yourself. And yeah. it was a beautiful conversation and it was, it was very, it touched my heart of how that conversation was left because a lot of people that pass our conversations aren't always the best. And so I do have that yeah. piece of healing and hope that we left on good terms, which always makes me happy. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. But it's, it's crazy how these, you know, the journey of, you know, misusing alcohol and our tolerance increasing and the media and all of those things really played a part in, I started dabbling, right? Yeah. When I had these kids and it just, I started to build this tolerance and I started to stop using my coping tools. What was important to me going for walks, you know, drinking my water, having conversations with adults on the phone, like everything just started just chipping away at what used to be my normal. Yeah. It really got plugged in with a lot of other things that weren't healthy, whether that was binge eating or, you know, fast food, because I don't have time to prepare my meals and everybody is eating something different. Yeah. Everyone was just, you know, when they did get to escape their households, it was, let's go to happy hour, you know? Yeah. So it was just this Eventually, I started finding myself leaving happy hour and going to the store and buying more alcohol for that night. Wow. And, you know, what would turn into a couple sips turned into a couple glasses to a couple bottles to fast forward a couple of years. And it was everyday gas station runs to, you know, from top shelf alcohol all the way to gas station, bottom shelf, boxed wine, yeah. 40 ounce beers, whatever I could get my hands on to escape my own reality and the life that I had built for myself was, yeah. it was so amazing. It was so flabbergasting. Like I, I was baffled by the fact that I had worked so hard to create this life and yeah. all I wanted to do was escape it. Wow. And especially working in the addiction counseling like field. Yes. So I mean, like, how do you do that? I mean, how, how do you say you have a problem? Well, how, yeah. How do you even like attempt that? And, you know, you mentioned your ego too, mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, your ego wouldn't let you kind of, kind of admit to yourself. So what was the next step for you? Like, how did you address this? Well, if I obviously hindsight, you know, if I were to go back, I would have said, okay, I have a problem because even therapists have therapists, doctors need doctors, right? True. Um, and just because I have tools and skills doesn't mean that I know how to actually apply them to my own reality, mm -hmm. or I have to get and dig deep into that pride and ego to figure it out. And so what I did was what I don't advise anybody to do is just to sit in secrecy and isolation Mm -hmm. expecting to figure it out on your own when what I ended up doing was just lacked accountability and I became literally a closet drunk I would drink in my closet and I would drink and this is again towards the very end of my drinking it wasn't you know it's very problematic and it is progressive so it does take mm -hmm. time but it ended up being like simply to black out. It was drinking, not because I enjoyed the flavor, but it was to escape and to numb out and to treat myself for keeping my tiny humans alive. Yeah. And so what that led to was hospitalizations for fatal alcohol poisoning. And Whoa. it wasn't one or two or three times. It was four that yeah. I finally decided that I needed help. Mm -hmm. And I didn't stay sober then. I went to treatment, mm -hmm. stayed sober a little while and relapsed. Mm 
But every single piece of that was part of my story that really helped me like really patch working. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. all of those were important moments and milestones to getting me to where I am now. They weren't for nothing. And so, you know, I wish that I could say, I just said, you know, I needed help and went to an outside party to seek support. And I, I didn't do that. I waited, you know, and people talk about rock bottom. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to wait. It's like, it hasn't happened yet. Those yet. But when this happens, and then what you notice is you start lowering your own expectations and the own, your bar of where you're like, absolutely, I'll never drink and drive. You do that. You do it. Yeah. Never drink at work or I'll never get into a fight or whatever it is. And it'll always be something else. And so I just threw the shovel down because rock bottom had a basement. And I think unless I'm dead under the ground, I'm not ever going to have this beat and I will continuously chronically relapse until I like surrender to the fact that I am a non-drinker and that my life is better without alcohol. And that's mindset of like, that leaves endless possibilities of things I can do. Just because I'm a person that can't drink doesn't mean that I'm a bad person or I'm not fun or that my life is over. Mm -hmm. And all of those things just kind of led to one day you hear people talk about it. And I woke up one day and that was the day, not because of any significance with a Monday, a new year, a date of something else. It was just the day that I said, no matter what happens today or any day, it does not require a drink. And I made that handshake with the universe and said, I will never, and I know we should never say never because never happens, but I haven't touched one yet. And it'll be five years in November. Congratulations. Thank you. It's amazing. That's wow. Um, I I wanted to just circle back a bit. Um, You know, we were talking about like the overwhelm and and the stress of being a mom and, you know, how everything just kind of chips away at you. Like, it's not just like one big thing. It's these tiny little stressors that are almost like a constant hum in, in your day to day life. How do you go about managing that? And how does, how do you, because that's obviously a big catalyst to escaping, right? To, to drinking, right? You, or you think of, of alcohol as your reward system, or you think of it like, that's how I'm going to connect with other moms or like, I deserve this, or like, I need to take the edge off. Um, How do you kind of manage that stress that is kind of at the beginning of the whole hamster wheel, if you will? Right. And I think that's the cool thing about people in recovery is that we get to do that inner work. So I, I, I was always thinking this isn't going to be fun and people are going to think I'm a horrible person and I have to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. And I threw those like limiting beliefs and those ideas of labels and all of these other things to the wayside and just said, like, is this adding value to my life? Is this costing me more than it's giving me? What will I lose if I don't take a break from drinking, educating myself, because I felt that when I had a head full of sobriety, drinking was never the same. And so Mm. we hear drinking's bad for you, but that's all we really know. But how does it affect your liver? How does it affect your, you know, your skin? How does it affect your brain, Mm -hmm. your cognition? And when you start to realize how it impacts you and destroys you mentally, emotionally, and spiritually from the inside out, Mm-hmm. It makes it, at least for me, a lot harder for me to take those swigs. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, okay, so what really is it? What beliefs do I have around this is 
as though this is providing me with something good. Mm-hmm. What is it? Because it's not anxiety because I felt more anxious. Oh, it wow. wasn't, yeah, it wasn't better sleep because I wasn't getting any and I was waking up in the middle of the night constantly, you know, right. throwing up, going through all those things. Yeah. And so I really just had to take a step back and look at my life and say, the reason it's so important is because I've made it a staple in my life. Everything surrounds itself around alcohol mm-hmm. that's taken me a period of time to get there. And so sure, it's going to look scary. Like, how am I going to go to a concert or go fishing or go boating and not have booze? Right. Exact same way we do when we're drinking. You just switch the drink in your hand. It's not about the booze yeah. that made it special for me. It was the sun and the music and the conversation and the water. Yeah. But I always gave the credit to the bottle. Mm. And so to answer your question too, is like, you know, for example, stress was a really big one at first. Mm-hmm. I had to really identify why am I drinking and what is this adding and how is this providing relief? My yeah. job became very, very stressful. And I was like, well, I, I work in a government job, the pension's good, the retirement, the benefits, how would I ever leave? Yeah. But if there is no other way that I can make this career work for me, I'm going to continue to die trying. Mm. And so if it's going to take me a financial hardship or a setback in order to save my own life, I have to do that. Mm -hmm. I had to look at my relationships with people who I was associating with. Is there substance? Is, Is it only alcohol that connects us? Yeah. Some friendships aren't expected to be in our lives forever. Some come and some go. We're the teachers. Sometimes we're the student. And I had to look at that. I had to look at my reward system of how can I reward myself because alcohol is not rewarding my body. It's doing the opposite. So I really started just challenging what is driving me to do this. You know, getting a getting a house cleaner with the money that I was drinking. I got a meal preparation service. Perfect. Yeah. You know, the, you know, hello fresh. I'm like, if cleaning's hard for me, if prepping meals is hard for me, why don't we take some of that money aside yeah. and put it to good use and still have a lot left over? So that's kind of how I started to chip away yeah. at here's the problem and the pain points and let's come up with solutions. And I had the help of, you know, treatment providers and my husband and some sober people that were in my life that really started to help support me in that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so true. And like, like how much are you actually spending on booze that you could be putting towards like things that are alleviating that stress so you don't have to drink that stress away. Yes. And the I ball, love that. Writing, all of that, you know, yeah. Oh, it was awful, awful, awful. I still get anxiety when I think about it because it's just like, I want people to, to not have to experience it or go that far where I have to wait until I'm bad enough Yeah. where, you know, I know what it feels like to hide your recycling or, you know, to hide your bottles or pretend that you're, you know, not running to the bar, but you're going to the bathroom at happy hour and you're shooting some shots of tequila it's an exhausting facade to keep up when you have these two worlds yeah. and eventually they collide and it's like the game's up but you're I was kind of relieved like yeah. I didn't do it I did do it but it wasn't an intervention it was just like divine timing it was my time yeah to really slow down and take a look at what do you want to do with the rest of your life and I think that a big piece of the, re- the reason that it's been so sustainable in my drive and my passion is that I'm an adult orphan. My parents are mm-hmm. gone. 
I was doing the same thing to my children a different way. And for me to know what it's like to not have those parents to go through all of those beautiful milestones that people have through high school, college and onward, that touched my heart in a way that no institution, no back of a police car, no detox unit could ever do. Mm. So that was, that was a big piece for me. You know, it's obviously not about your kids can't keep you sober, uh, but they definitely got me started on the trajectory of learning to like myself, that I could love myself and then love my sober life that I am now living a life I don't ever want to escape from. But towards the very beginning, I could never say that that was true because I kept chronically relapsing. And I was like, if this is how long-term sobriety is going to be, I don't want any part of it. Right. And I never got to experience the good parts of sobriety because I was constantly giving in before the miracle happened. Right. Yeah, I I agree. It's just like you need to just get over that hump. It's like just, you know, we've taught ourselves and put alcohol on such a pedestal and fantasized about like all these amazing things and qualities that alcohol is or pretends to possess, but it doesn't you know it's it's not it's like this sex in the city I always thought it was like these cosmos top shelf and I'm like it's not so glamorous when you can't stop drinking it Michelle yeah you know but it's so ingrained in our society I was thinking about it the other day and I was like okay yeah my first experience was like some Boone's Ferry and Mad Dog 2020 and prom and then you know, people in their 20s are doing like keg stands, 30s, like adult drinking games and beer pong. By 40, you're like, you know, in rehab or really struggling. You know, it's just like, it's, it's progressive. And it's just like, it's not, it's not fun anymore to do that kind of stuff. Or was it ever, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. There's so much more to life than, than doing that and just being present for the good and the bad. I just went to a wedding and it was like, people were taking shots out of a flask. And I'm like, what? It's the the most special day of your guys's life. Why are you doing this? Yeah. Like, don't you want to remember this? Like I, yeah. Yes. Oh my God. I can't wait to get married. I just, you know, (laughs) I've never, you know, I've, I probably, if I, in the midst of my addiction, I probably would have done it too, but it's just, again, it's so hard to see that there's these quote unquote normies and it's innocent, but this is the exact behavior. And this is the push from our society saying Mm -hmm. that it's acceptable, but don't go over too much because then you're just going to be an alcoholic. And we, we don't think very much of you people. Totally. So that's the tricky part. Don't cross that line absolutely yeah like it's all fun games till it's not right right (laughs) and if you keep going back to an addictive substance you will become addicted I don't care who you are yeah it's like sugar you will eventually love sugar if you keep going back to it definitely um Michelle so where are you at with uh recovery is a new black and tell us a little bit about your business and how you you know taken your experiences and I guess essentially paying it forward. Yes. So, you know, having 20 years working in the field of addictions and mental health, and now mm-hmm. having my own over the last decade of struggles and redemption of maintaining this lifestyle, I do on the side coaching, mm-hmm. counseling um, for women who are really seeking an alternative to, yeah. you know, 
booze doesn't have to be a mascot for motherhood. And I feel like it is for a lot of people and that's how we're introduced to motherhood. And I want to have this community and have this voice to say that it's okay if we don't. Mm -hmm. It's not about anti-drinking. It's about pro-sobriety and that we're living in the 21st century and there's a a lot of people being who they are and being loved Mm -hmm. for who they are. And I think that it's dang time to be honored and to be respected for being a non-drinker, just like I'm a non-meat eater and a non-smoker, yeah. regardless of my reason. And so I've created Recovery as the New Black as that community for people who are just trying to get sober curious or who are actively living a sober life. Because as you know, there's no end date to this. You know, there's going to oh, be yeah. things that come up, like the pandemic, where people are going to need extra support or fall into you know, alcohol abuse based on coping. Mm -hmm. So there's always going to be a community and a need for it. And I want to be able to sustain that for people who don't have those supports. And so I have a private community. I do do the coaching on the side. I have been doing some interventions lately, which has been amazing. Mm. Doing sober companionship, which is really helping the women that are coming out of inpatient treatment And integrating them back into their homes. A lot of families aren't educated. They think, well, if inpatient has to be the last resort, that's the solution. And my wife's the problem. But when we get home, there's still booze in the house. Nothing changes, right? It's not all about this person over here that went to go get rehabilitated. So that's been really fun. I'm using my social work and my clinical experience to really educate the family and to really set this woman up for success. Yeah. I have written my book. I'm waiting to, um, to announce more with that, but yes, my memoir has been done. Super excited about that. Yeah. And yeah, so, and Sober Mom Squad is something I'm a part of as well. And I host over there. Yeah. Can you, can you tell me like what Sober Mom Squad is, is about? Yes. So it was a, we ended up turning it into a membership, but at first it was just like a call to provide service during the pandemic. Okay. So women were coming to a lot of people on social media and saying, you know, we need help. And we were noticing an increase in alcohol use. And so the five of us came together and decided to be of service because we had some sobriety, you know, not tons and tons and tons and decades, but enough between all of us that we were like, you know, how can we help and how can we support people? And so we started a free group over Zoom. And there was, I think the first week, a thousand women who signed up. What? Yeah, it was, it's definitely Whoa. there was a need and yeah. service just, the, the group was getting so big that obviously to provide right. a benefit needed to be divided up. And so as the pandemic continued mm-hmm. and we didn't see an end in sight, you know, we really created this membership and have guest webinar speakers come on. We do group coaching, individual coaching, and yeah. we're up to 25 meetings a week now. So there's wow. four to five meetings in different time zones to That's support. Amazing. Style. Yeah. yeah. And I think the really cool thing about it too, is it's not, it's not a traditional, you know, it's not a recovery program. It's not a therapy. It's not crisis. It's more of peer support 
and a place for people to connect about pandemic, motherhood, remote learning, remote working, sobriety, mental health, maternal mental health. Yeah. And just building those relationships that they're not alone. And we celebrate the victories. We process the setbacks. It's been amazing. The women that are in that community and lifelong friendships that I will have forever. It's been incredible to see such a need be able to be provided and really just flourished in these last, what, 17 months. Yeah. So definitely something that I know that will be here for, for a while, because as long as the services are needed, there's no reason to, to close shop. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I love that. I think that's, it's so needed and you're helping so many women and just by you, you know, being here and telling your story and, you know, now having a memoir out, like it just, it takes someone to kind of almost like light the way and others to follow and be like, Oh my God, I feel the exact same way. Like I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only like mom in my group. Like there's these feelings are so prevalent in, in all of our communities. And it's really nice to have someone like you who's taking a stand and actually talk about it. Right. Vocalize it. Yeah, it's, it's really, hard. Really important. It's it's so hard because it's it's you know it's I felt that way exactly like you said. Mm-hmm. I felt alone. I felt like no one could relate because no one's talking about the really hard parts, and yeah. I didn't want to talk about it because I didn't want the accountability and I didn't want to stop. I just wanted to learn how to keep alcohol under wraps and moderate it. That was yeah. the goal. And I went to some crazy freaking extremes to keep alcohol in my life. Until I finally decided my mindset, right? It was finally like, I'm okay with knowing that I'm a person who cannot drink because it leaves endless possibilities of things I can do. And I am so freaking proud to be a person in recovery, a person with a horrific redemption story that went from, you know, the things that I've done, the things that I've been through to being back full circle, like you started this podcast with of like the person who I was, the person I could look in the mirror and be, I'm proud of you. Mm -hmm. I love what you're doing. And I love, you know, standing up for those people and doing harm reduction and working in the schools. Like I have such a fire in my belly for prevention and awareness Do what you want. Your story might not be like mine, but I do want you to know that there is another way and that you don't have to do this. And if you do do this, be mindful. And these are the things to look out for. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you definitely light up and this is, you're in alignment with what you're, what you're doing for sure. Thank you. Nice to see. Um, Michelle, where can we find you? I have a website at Recovery is a New Black. Okay. I have my private Facebook group on Facebook and my business page. And over Instagram, I am Recovery is the New Black underscore. Okay. Fantastic. I have one more question for you. For any sober mom or sober curious mom out there who's listening to you right now, um, who may be going through a hard time or is struggling, what is one piece of advice you can offer them? Tell one person. Mm. Tell one friend or a trusted professional that you are struggling and that's it. Because once we say it to one person or say it out loud, I get messages all the time in my inbox. 
Yeah. You just did it. You just did the hardest part. You just asked for help or you just said something out loud. So yeah. that's, that's, I could go into a lot, but that's the first place that I would start is getting out of your own head. Yeah. Definitely. And knowing that there are people who are there to help and that can relate. Yeah. Oh, and just taking that weight off. Oh, you know, this, our internal chatter is always just nitpicking and tearing us apart and yes. second guessing ourselves and, you know, just, oh, you can do it. Like, just hold on. Like, you're fine. You're fine. You're exaggerating. You're being dramatic. Like, yep. and social media is so beautiful for that. You know, there is mm -hmm. some darkness to it. A lot of darkness at times. And the sobriety community is like, get into my Facebook group. It's private and it's very heavily regulated by me because it's my baby. I am very protective of people in there. It will remain a safe place and yeah. a confidential place. So it's like, be a fly on the wall. Right. Listen to podcasts like this. Get yeah. books, start filling your feed and your mind with personal development, self-help, sobriety and inspiration because that's the perfect way to start yeah it's all good it's authentic get that dog in there <laughs> so yeah that's love it awesome uh, michelle thank you so much for taking your time to chat with me and share your experience and knowledge i really really appreciate it absolutely thank you for having me jessica How awesome is Michelle? As always, thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to rate, subscribe, and leave some feedback. We love to hear your comments about the podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at A Sober Girl's Guide. And don't forget about the blog. Head to asobergirlsguide.com. We have you covered. Whatever stage of your recovery journey you are at, we got you, girl. From sober girl swag to workbooks to challenges to even a certified girl's guide course, we have you covered at every stage of your recovery. Head to a sobergirlsguide.com. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.